You work hard to build your business. Be sure you're protecting it. Rock Solid Financial is the top insurance and financial literacy firm for small business owners. We specialize in small business funding consulting, credit repair advisement, business credit acquisition, strategic uses of life insurance products for protecting and cash flowing a business, and strategies for entrepreneurs to create tax-free retirement savings. No matter what stage you're at, no matter if you're a solopreneur, a small business owner or somewhere in between, we can help. Visit www.rocksolidfinancial.co forward slash advice to book a free consultation and learn how we can help you to protect you and your business. Welcome to the Lofty Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Tanisha Coffey, a.k.a. The Lofty Entrepreneur. Thanks for joining me. As always, we are providing the best tips, tools, advice, and inspiration for aspiring and new entrepreneurs out there. So if you haven't already done so, click now and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Now, today's guest is Dr. Tyra Jones. She is the owner of JA Consulting and Corporate Tax Solutions. Her company helps business owners to structure and financially grow businesses. They also offer custom online business credit programs to assist business owners with continuous business funding. J Consulting and Corporate Tax Solutions also works with over seven different lenders who finance her clients with lines of credit and real estate investment loans. Dr. Jones is also an author and a course creator. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Jones. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. How about yourself? How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. I have so much I want to talk to you about today because um, you are a wealth of knowledge. I think you you have expertise in areas that people always want to know about when it comes to, um, you know, kind of some different sectors that they want to get into for their business, but um, areas that people kind of shy away from because it isn't just, you know, a simple, you know, walk in the park kind of thing. You have to actually put into some work. And for those of you who are not sure what I'm talking about, I'm talking about one, business funding, of course, just kind of hinted at that. But she is also an expert with contracting, government contracting. And you guys know if you can get into government contracting, that can be a really great way to diversify your business income streams. So... Let's jump into this a little bit. So I know that for your business, um, contracting is definitely one of the things that you're involved with. So I'd love to know your journey, how you got into doing contracting, and then um, we'll talk about some tips for helping other people to get into it as well. Well, absolutely. Um, Well, uh, we initially started contracting, or better yet, applying to be able to contract um, here in the city of Houston. Um, I don't remember the year, but I know it was in the uh, mid 2000s, maybe 2015, 2016. And, you know, I just started looking into, okay, how do we uh, leverage our cash flow? You know, because I wanted to be able to, I've always been uh, participative with, uh, in, you know, politics as far as uh, business owners getting. Uh, resources to them that, you know, either the city was providing or that other entities or agencies were providing. And so I've always wanted to uh, bring those resources to business owners. I said, okay, let me see what I can do to position JA in order to take advantage of contracting. So we became a hub certified here in um, in Houston, as well as uh, and hub is a state certification for historically underutilized businesses, and then also CMBL certification. And uh, with those certifications, we're able to tap into a lot of different types of bids, you know. And because once you become certified with those uh, those type of entities, you actually are on a mailing list and, and you get all types of bids that come, you know, and you look at them and you may not qualify, may not be in your industry, but the opportunity is there to compete. Now, the challenge has always been that, you know, for small businesses, it's very hard to become a prime um, on a contract. And what I mean by prime is the initial business who is uh, contracted to do the work. A subcontract 
uh, can be offered from a prime. And typically, especially black owned businesses have only been able to be subcontractors as opposed to prime contractors. So um, in the city of Houston, we were actually able to get a subcontract uh, during Hurricane Harvey, where we were helping a lot of business owners to get the uh, get access to the funds through FEMA, and then FEMA passed it to SBA, and then SBA had administration problems to where they couldn't get the money out, so they said. But they contracted entities like our, like us, to make sure that we go out and we, you know, uh, talk to the people, talk to the business owners, and make sure that they have access to those resources. So that's how we started. And um, we weren't able to do, you know, any other contracts after that. Our focus really at that point, then we found the market, uh, which is full trucks, uh, that we actually tapped into, built a relationship. And then they started sending us multiple clients. 80% of our clientele in 2018 were food trucks. So we start helping them get financed. That's when we really got into the finance financing and um, also lines of credit and things of that sort. And that's also when we started our business credit class. So, you know, so even with, you know, contracting, um, the opportunity is uh, is there, you know, depending on the industry, depending on, you know, what you're doing and what you're slated to do. And also depending on what commodities are needed from the municipalities. Currently, we are contracted by the city of Shreveport to offer two courses. One course is actually teaching business owners how to submit winning bids and how to write the uh, re proposals, uh, respond to RFPs, and then another program that actually teaches current business owners basic entrepreneurship as well as next level entrepreneurship in terms of accounting and tax and, and, and HR and just making sure that your structure is intact um, and also with even within the uh, entrepreneur uh, program, we make sure that those individuals are ready for contracting. So our goal is always to position the business so that you can compete, even if you don't really care to contract, but we position you in case you want to compete in that arena. So uh, so that's a little bit about what we do and uh, what we're doing right now in contracting. So step one, what would you say? What's the first thing that they should be doing if someone's interested in in positioning themselves? I heard you mention about that particular certification in your area, but that's going to be different, different places. But typically there is a minority. I mean, well, I mean, not all companies are minority. So if they're not a minority company, what's the first thing they should do? And if they are, what's the first thing they should do? Now, there are three certifications that we actually started out many years ago helping business owners. And and actually, that was, you know, those two were not uh, any of those is minority business owned MBE um, and also disadvantaged uh, business enterprises. Um, now, you can get those certifications just by uh, simply following the steps. Either the, your city has those steps on their website or you can look up most corporations have MBE, DBE certifications as well. And you can look up those. But the first step really is to make sure that your basic structure is intact, such as make sure that everything that you have is commercial, you know, including your email. You know, let's get a, let's get rid of Gmail. Let's get rid of Yahoo. Let's get rid of all of those, you know, and it's so easy and we, you know, and, and it's so accommodating for you to receive those emails, but let, let's set up a domain and get an email address connected to that domain. Make sure your phone number is co a commercial line. You don't have to pay a lot of money for those. You can even, if you have a cell phone, of course, everyone does now, most people don't even have landlines, but you can call your provider and say, hey, I need a commercial line for this phone. They'll give you that commercial line. And that way, when you are uh, evaluated, it doesn't flag as a mobile number or a personal number. It will flag as a commercial number. So mm -hmm. those are some of the main things that you need to do to get started and just make sure that you have, you know, the other structures as far as, you know, the business bank account. Do not operate out of your personal you know, just make sure you have an accounting system. Now, for those business owners who already have these things in place, make sure your accounting system is uh, producing those P&Ls and producing those uh, balance sheets. 
because the certification process requires that you submit those documents. Make sure, number one, that you have generated sales before you start seeking these certifications. If you have not generated any sales, it's going to be very hard for you to have P&Ls and balance sheets, but just make sure that your operations is, is intact, or at least that you have operations. And um, my advice is always is to talk to a professional such as, you know, we're a business develop development firm. There are a lot of people out here who do what we do. My advice is really to make sure that your structure is, is, is intact, but also reach out to a professional to understand what structure you need to have. Mm -hmm. Most of the applications for MBE, DBE, or whether it was a hub or CMBL, the, it's all in the paperwork. You can go online and you can read the checklist. You know, some entities have the checklist. Some entities just have the um, a video where you can learn. Okay, you need to have this. You need to have that. And just start checking it off. Just be a student of your business and, you know, you'll be okay. Right. And a lot of times where people, I think, can get caught up in that process is the paperwork, is the fact that it's not just a simple, hey, here's a quick little form. Let's fill it out. Done. You actually have to go through multiple steps. It does take time. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, it may even be worth it to have a particular person either on your staff or if you're, you know, if you're one man banding it to definitely block off time to specifically dedicate towards it because it is something that is, it, it's not just a thing. It's not just a task for your, you know, on your business where you do it, like that's, you're developing a whole other, you're attempting to develop a whole other revenue stream, exactly. which is money coming from the government. So expect that when you start the process that you're going to have to put in time, just like you would developing any other revenue stream for your business. Yes. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. Absolutely. Okay. So I know once people get some of the, you know, they're, they're thinking about doing these contracts. If you're starting off, um, it's a little harder if you're a brand spanking new business, you know, so maybe think about if you're, you know, maybe at least a year in or at least, you know, six months, you know, got some sales to show, right. um, you know, that would be a you know great thing to have. But, you know, it also kind of depends on where you are and what kind of what you're applying for. A lot of people think of, uh, you know, government contracting as like supplies and like products, you know, right. or, or services like construction and janitorial, but there are really tons of opportunities when it comes to contracting. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the opportunities outside of those common ones people think of? Absolutely. Um, you know, if, if you can, if you can find a business that offers anything, I guarantee you, like people ask me all the time. I had a conversation with uh, a young lady. Now she's become my mentee. She asked, you know, and she's a, she's a speaker, you know, she's an up and coming speaker, but I've, I've, I met her maybe a few years ago um, when I had to speak at an event and she spoke at that event and she's a much better speaker than I am, but she's just still, you know, she's still in that early stages of, I know how to do what I do, but I don't know how to structure or even organize my business. And if I wanted a contract, do they even have contracts for speakers? And the answer is yes. You know, because if you don't, if you never put your business out there for potential contracting, you will never start getting those bids to even look into and click on to see what type of contracts that the, the city or the state is, is asking for. Um, there's a number of, like in business development in our area of business, there are a plethora of contracts out there available. Um, accounting, accounting contract. We just applied for accounting contract for the, uh, the state of Kansas and we're in Texas. You know, and so, you know, getting the contract in Shreveport, Louisiana, which is my hometown, um, is very dear to me because it's my hometown. And I never would have thought that I would be back and forth so much in my hometown. I'm learning my hometown all over again. But have your mind open to, especially if you are a service business, have your mind open to various states that may need your services or various cities that may need your services because you may be in a metroplex where everybody does what you do 
And so there's not a lot of demand, but there's a lot of demand in other areas. Um, so that's just an example. You know, if you're a, a speaker or even in business development or you're in accounting or even if you create courses or, you know, if you know how to social media. I just saw one for social media. Um, matter of fact, uh, my daughter just received one for uh, for videography. You know, so all of those areas, I guarantee you, if you can think of it or if you even have an idea that, hey, I want to tap into the contract and I don't care if you're selling socks, the military needs socks. And that's real. You know, um, if you look at if you register with some of the Air Force bases, they're they're asking to do business with local business owners because they need certain products and services that they don't they don't have access to. So, mm -hmm. you know, something, you know, an apparel company, you know, uh, Air Force Base may need T-shirts. They may need you never know, you know, until you actually put your business out there. Right. And so I want you to delve a little bit deeper because you did mention, you know, most people think about the government contracting. They think either the federal government and they think I have to be this huge, huge national company in order to even be seen and be considered. Um, but then you also talked about working in multiple states. So for those, go ahead and unpack it for people. So when you were when you were getting involved in these things, you applied, you you'd set up your you got your MBE um, certification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, did that go from place to place, or did you have to re kind of submit in different places mm -hmm. as you were working different states? Yeah, you do have to reapply depending on where you apply. Um, city has MBE certification as well as corporations have MBE certifications. Now they're both MBE certifications. However, whatever criteria that they're asking for, it may be a little different when you go from one agency to the next, even within the same state. Mm -hmm. So, um, so in, especially when you go from city to city, for example, you know, Shreveport, they call one of their certifications fair share. That doesn't exist anywhere else in the United States other than Shreveport, Louisiana, because it is a local um, it's a local program, you know, that that spawned out of a disparity study. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so you have to really understand that municipalities as well as agencies and corporations, they have their own MBE or DBE certification and they may call it something different. But the basics of it is, is that you, you're still submitting the same documentation. It's exactly the same documentation. When we submitted for Houston, we submitted the exact same documentation that we submitted for, <laughs> for Shreveport. The only difference is that the application was different. They may have asked for a different type of coding and you just look on the internet and see what your code is for your industry and you know, you're, you're good. So um, it's different, but it's not. So again, the lesson is you got to work at it. Like, yeah. You know, be organized. You know, once you do that first one, that becomes your template. And yep. then, you know, from my perspective, it's you create a strategy. So you start to think, okay, where do I want to, you know, start doing this? Because obviously there's 50 states, who knows how many cities, you know, because each city, each county, each state, they can all have, depending on where you are, they can all have their own levels of contracting. And you just need to kind of decide what is it that you want to do. I think it's very smart what you just said about thinking if you're in a major city and there's tons of people doing exactly what you do, yeah, look somewhere else where it might be a smaller city, smaller area because you might hit the jackpot servicing that area because there's only a handful of people in your industry. So I yes. think that's hugely smart to do. Exactly. And in my case, there's no one who does what we do in my hometown. Wow. And, and that's the, the amazing thing is, you know, and they talk about a, a lot of time, a lot of the times how the talent left the city, you know, because we all grew up, we left, you know, no one wants to, everybody wants to go to the big Metroplex and, you know, and have that experience and have the big house and all of those things. You know, we always want to get away from where we grew up. But, you know, the opportunity when you start, when you become an entrepreneur, 
you know, because when I left, I was a student. You know, I was 18 years old when I left. I'm just now coming back at 50. Totally different mindset, totally different work, you know, um, you know, uh, entrepreneurial journey, you know, because um, you, you really have to understand what you're doing and the importance of what you're doing to the community that you're serving. Um, and it was something I was thinking about a second ago and I, it may have left me already, but uh, I wanted to say that you, you really have to understand, oh, your business plan, because you it, it's not good advice to tell you to go after contracts if it's not a part of your overall scope of your business plan. Mm -hmm. For example, for our business, our goal is to be a multi-state um, service company. You know, we have a long-term goal of becoming the fastest growing business development firm in the country, right? That's our, that's our mission. So in order to do that, we are, we're, you know, we have staff in various cities. We have staff in North Carolina. We have staff in Atlanta. We have staff in, um, um, Cali, California. So you, you know, depend on what your business plan is, just make sure that you're not going, you know, going after things that don't relate to what your actual goal is, because you have to have that support. And when you submit for certifications, they always ask you about your, your, um, your clients and they ask you for your clients information. You have to give references and you also need to have that team. You, you need to have that team in place because they also ask for their resume. So, you know, so going after these contracts, you cannot do this by yourself. This is not something that you want to do by yourself. You definitely want to make sure that you have your in-house operation team as well as your advisory team to help you, you know, navigate through that process. Okay. So now let's talk about um, getting the work, right? So right. you mentioned about, you know, so that's that's all about how just kind of making yourself eligible for it. So right. let's fast forward. You know, you talked about, you know, some some places will send you emails with opportunities. Other places you'll have to go on on the state sites, city sites, whatever the site is to look for the opportunities yourself, you know, to decide what you want to submit for. But then say you submit and you get something, you, you know, you get something you were you were looking for mm -hmm. and you think you've hit the jackpot. But sometimes what happens is that cash flow issue, right? So it may either be an issue of you having to do the work mm -hmm. before, you, before you get paid. So you have to be able to kind of tide yourself over. Remember, you're working with the government. Yes. So, you know, a lot of government, a lot of businesses outside of small businesses work, what, net 30, net 60, net 90, you know, so that means 30, 60, 90 days before they cut your check. Not before it hits your account. Before see, they... I have personal experience with that. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so let's talk a little bit about kind <laughs> of the funding side, the cash flow side, right? Mm -hmm. So um, let's do cash flow and then we'll jump into, we'll switch over to funding. Okay. So with people who are interested in doing government contracting, what do you recommend as far as how they should prepare themselves cash flow wise when they're going into those types of scenarios? Well, anytime that you're contracting and let's say that they, the entity says that it's a net 30 uh, pay, <clears throat> you need to financially plan for net 90, <laughs> you know, because uh, you don't want to run out of cash flow. Number one. And, and then it depends on what your operations is like. Because sometimes what some people do, they after they get awarded a contract, they stop their other operations, which is the money that the cash flow they really should be supporting the business. And it's because they're waiting on all they have in their mind is this big check that they're getting from this entity to provide these services or products. But that check may not come for another 30, 60, 90 days. And in that timeline, you are supposed to be providing the services. Now, 
you have to do a cost analysis as to, okay, what is it going to cost for me to do the job? Because, well, you should have done that before you submit the proposal anyway, but, you know, in order to bid properly, but you really have to make sure that you're being uh, reasonable with your numbers and not that you're just trying to win a bid. And, you know, it's like, oh, I have the lowest bid. I should get it. Mm -mm. If you even if you get it, and I've had clients who who have done this, even when they get it now, they have it. They're obligated to provide services at that fee and they can't afford it. So right. now they have to build capacity. So, good, you know, the good thing for them that they're our clients because we have a business credit program. So we, we know, we give them advice as far as, okay, let's look at your structure. Let's look at where you are now, because what you really need to do is expand your cash flow. And, you know, sometimes uh, what business owners do, what we do, we have this uh, system called RP3, right? We, we created this system because most people don't mitigate their expenses. Most people are, uh, most business owners are spending cash unnecessarily when they can actually be getting net terms on their supplies. So we go into the business and we say, hey, okay, what are you buying for your business? What is your cost for your supplies and your materials? And then we show them in the business credit program, through the business credit program, how they can mitigate their costs, save their cash flow, keep it for the reserve of providing the services for the contract so that they'll have that those funds to service the contract no matter how long that check takes to come mm -hmm. so you know so that's in the you know in the brief synops synopsis how we help the business owner to uh mitigate that but uh the goal would be before you get the contract you want to tap into a business credit program initially anyway because you need to build your capacity before you need to at least have six months of reserve of your overhead before you start your contract. You do not want your business to not be able to run because you're spending all your money over here trying to satisfy a contract where you haven't gotten paid yet. And by the time you get paid, your entity is in the red. Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, so hopefully I answered that question, but yeah. And, but, and we want to put it out there, you know, Governments have pauses and things sometimes or delays or cancellations. So, you know, just like any other client, you have to be prepared. You can't depend on just one client, one customer to completely float you. You have to be ready, willing and able to juggle and plan for it. You know, have that strategy in place on how you're going to do that. It can definitely be very lucrative you know, to do so. But I hope you're hearing what Dr. Tyra is saying, because that's a different mindset to start thinking, okay, how am I going to, um, you know, kind of shift things around, play with the money mm -hmm. so that I have what I need just in case. But then I also have other, other money that I can tap into. So let's, let's mm -hmm. jump into the business credit side of things. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Let's talk about people just getting started. All right. They have, you know, they haven't done too much of business, anything, and they're looking to build. They know they want to end up building business credit down the line. They may not be trying to use it right then. We're not talking about startup capital here. We're talking about like just having access to access. business credit because business credit is different than a loan. So mm -hmm. hear that people. Yes. So, What's some advice that you can give people who are wanting to build, to be able to build business credit? What, what is that journey like? Well, okay. So I'm going I'm to um, stem from what you said about business credit versus a loan. Now, loans are a part of business credit, but, you know, they're not synonymous, you know, just like you said. So in order to, for them to start building business credit, the, the main thing is that they understand that, you cannot build business credit with a sole proprietorship. That's not going to happen. A DBA, no, you're not going to do that. Now, some uh, entities, uh, some municipalities will allow you to become certified in their program if you are a DBE and you are a sole proprietor. 
because you know, and that's because I've seen that. But you have to have an LLC or a corporation, and it could be a nonprofit corporation as well. I tell all my nonprofit uh, business owners, business credit applies to you too. You know, because uh, you know a, a lot of nonprofits they're trying to get donations, they're trying to get this and that. Never tapping into grants. That's a whole nother story, but also not tapping into the business credit opportunity, which you you will actually set up business credit regardless. The As you are growing your business, you are always going to tap into some type of opportunity, financial opportunity. And Dun and Brad will establish your profile automatically as you are continuing year by year to run your business. We found, you know, a lot of people come to us for our business credit program and I ask them, do you have a Dunn's number? And they say, well, no, I don't think so. I said, well, how about this? Let's see, because Dunn and Brad sometimes will assign you your number and actually keep record of some things that you may not know is on there. So we do a search and sometimes we find that they have a Dunn's number and they may have a trade line or two and they didn't even know it. So, so how, does, how does that happen? Is well, it, just... it happens. It happens just like with your personal, you know, when you are growing up and you decide that, hey, I want to get this job. I want to get that job. I want to, you know, get, you know, well, we know when we get credit, you know, a credit card or something like that. But um, most people think that the credit card, the corporate card is going to on their personal credit. But sometimes the uh, the uh, vendor card. Because uh, you can have a vendor card that goes on your business credit, not the credit card, but the vendor card may go on your 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 uh, business credit. So, and a lot of people don't pay attention to it because they don't know it, they don't understand it, they never heard of it, but it may already be on there. Um, for example, if you are at uh, Sam's, you know, if you have an account at Sam's and you get vendor credit, you know, you may not know that they're reporting to Dun and Brad and, you know, and, and, and entities such as that you may get credit from an entity that does report and you don't know that they report because business credit is almost like uh, the uns unspoken word in a lot of communities. It's, it's like, it's like the boogeyman. Does he exist? Does he not exist? Like I heard about him. Is he under my bed? <laughs> so, but you know, a lot of people, people have heard about it, but not really tapped into it. When I first heard about it in 2007, I thought it was illegal. I said, no, you can't do that because it sounds too good. And then when I really started learning about it and then I started implementing it, the first entity I set up for business credit actually was a nonprofit organization. Um, and we were able to not only set the profile but we were actually able to get a $10,000 line of credit for that nonprofit. And, um, and then that's when I, you know, realized about, oh, okay, this is what happens when I get this type of score. Oh, this is what happens when I get that type of score. Oh, when I get this vendor, this happens. Oh, they offer me this. So that's when we really start learning more about what was real about business credit as opposed to what's out there on YouTube. Cause some of that stuff is not true. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, so you really, you have to be a student, like I said in the beginning of your business in order to understand that, okay, there's a lot that I don't know. So let me take the time to understand business credit is real. I really do need to tap into it because at some point in my business life is, is going to be inevitable that I need it. So I need to prepare for it and at least have it on reserve for when I need it. Lines of credit is different from a loan. You do not need to pull or you do not need to put that money into your bank account and start paying interest on that money if it's a draw. Now, not all lines of credit are a draw. Some lines of credit, they do deposit into your bank account and you do start paying the interest on it. But, but other lines of credit is called a draw, where let's say that I give you a line of credit, but $100,000 and it's a draw. You don't have to pull from it unless you have you, unless you have to. Let's say that you say, well, I need to pull $5,000 because I need to pay for an equipment for my business. Well, I can pull that $5,000 and guess what? I'm only going to pay interest on that $5,000, not the hundred that I have access to.
Right. 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 So that's what we call a draw. Now, you can also, like I said, get a line of credit. That's not a draw. That's deposited into your bank account. A lot of real estate investors get those type of lines of credit. And, the, and, and it's great for them because they need more cash for upfront uh, down payments on properties. Right. Right. So it just depends on who you are, what your needs are. Uh, but setting up and building your business credit is very simple. But I always tell people this, if you're going to start setting up your business credit, create a budget for yourself, no less than $1,000 for that budget, because it's going to cost you money to set up your business credit. This is after you get in the program. This is not $1,000 say, hey, I'm going to spend $1,000 to get in the program. No, after you get into the program, your budget needs to be at least $1,000 so that you can start acquiring these vendors like Uline, Granger, Quill, and all of these other uh, businesses that we're helping to become data furnishers, actually. You need to purchase their service in order for them to report positively on your business credit. And how are you going to purchase it if you don't have a budget available? And you don't want to use your cash flow that you have for your operations. You don't want to use any other money that you think you're going to get in 30 days, right? <laughs> you want to use some real-time cash. So I always tell my business owner, $1,000, you need to have at, at minimum $500, at minimum. But $1,000, you can continuously, you won't have to have any pauses you can continuously build your business credit and buy whatever you need to buy in order for that entity to report positively so that you can get a paydex score positively, you know, a positive paydex score, 80 to 100. Once, once you get that, you can start going after and, and some other things need to happen because you have to have high credit and all that stuff. And at some point you'll be able to get um, uh, the cash credit. So, go ahead. So, so a lot of people, uh, you know, when we're talking about credit, yeah. they don't realize that there's two step. There's personal credit and there's business credit. And so, um, when you're building your credit, there's different ways to do it. But there are options that are, you know, PG. You know, per, you know, they they require personal guarantee, right? Which means you're using your own SOCH and it is attached to you personally. But then there's non-PG as well. So can you break that down a little bit for people? Absolutely. Uh, personal guarantee means that you are personally guaranteeing that line of credit or that loan, uh, which also means that there's a personal credit score requirement. Uh, typically, it's 700. Typically, it's 700 at minimum 650. So um, non-personal non guarantee means that your business has enough business credit vendors and trade lines in order to stand on its own, which also means going back to what I kind of alluded to earlier, that high credit, because uh, you want, okay, there's a certain amount, I'm trying to think of how to say it without giving away too much. So there's a certain amount of vendors that you need to have in order to get a certain amount of line of credit, right? So, and then business credit is broken down into tiers. There's also a certain amount of high credit, which means that if someone offers you a line of credit of $1,000, that means your high credit is $1,000. If you're paying Uline $100, $70, $120, your high credit is $120. The higher your high credit, the more money you're going to be offered if you apply for a cash line of credit. So, for example, if you go to a company called J3 Management, they're one of our vendors that we recommend to business owners. If you go to them and you actually purchase their subscription, now their program is different from a lot of other entities. Their program, uh, you actually pay a subscription and they offer you a higher high limit, which is about a $3,500 high limit if you pay the subscription of $50 per month. That's a revolving you know, payment. But you have a high, high credit, which means that as you're building now, 
you have the potential of actually getting a you know a corporate credit card from American Express or a corporate credit card from any other uh, entity, Chase or whatever, that has a higher credit limit, which is about ten to ten to twenty thousand dollars. So the more high credit you have before you apply for the cash line of credit, the better your chances are at getting a higher limit. Mm -hmm. you know, um, as far as that makes, you know, hopefully that made sense. Yeah. So it is a process. It is. Okay. So, you know, again, you know, if you're thinking about cash flowing your business, which you should be, you know, most people start out and they're just worried about, let me make the sale. Let me cover the expenses. And that's the place that you need to, you know, live in for a period of time. However, if possible, if you are in a place where you can plan and again, make business credit part of your strategy from the beginning, yeah. So that you are, so that you're again, building before you need it. Yep. So, you know, the point is not to get credit so you can just go wild with it and just buy everything. The point is to create safety nets for yourself. I yep. mean, you know, just think about the, the 2020 pandemic, right? There were some businesses who may have had, mm -hmm. you know, those, the, that business credit that they had to tap into in order to stay afloat. And they were very lucky if they had it and they had enough and were able to do that. There may have been some who didn't have it, who, you know, struggled and, you know, maybe had to, you know, use some alternative means or tap into those reserves, deep reserves. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as an entrepreneur, you always have to be thinking about, you know, what if, mm -hmm. you know, what are those what ifs, you know, and then how are you going to make sure that you're, business survives because your business it's 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 its own entity it's its own thing yeah and so just as you have to survive it has to survive and if you're an entrepreneur and that is your primary income obviously if the business doesn't survive then that means your income doesn't survive and now you're putting yourself in jeopardy mm -hmm. so adding that aspect to your overall business strategy when you're when you're creating your business or as you're you know right now um you know, each quarter as you're doing your strategic planning, if it's not already there, you know, consider adding that in. Yeah. It, it's a huge, a huge help. You may yeah. not need it now. You may not want it, mm -hmm. but it's good to have it. Right. Exactly. And I, and I must add on that one. Um, we have clients from all the way from, okay, we have clients who just started their business and then we have clients who have been in business for over 20 years who are making well over four or five million dollars annually, who still <clears throat> was not able to tap into the, their business credit during COVID. Mainly because everybody was affected, including the entities that offer business credit. Most of the uh, entities that offer lines of credit started shutting down. They were not doing any any lending during that time because it was too risky. Everybody in the United States was, you know, strapped. So, you know, so even though, you know, we went through, we were in the pandemic and everything, there were some of our clients that make millions of dollars in their uh, revenue who still could not tap into their business credit because those vendors stopped lending for a certain amount of time and they didn't start back lending until the end of 2020. It was like November, we got a notification that they were starting back to uh, back lending. So, you know, so you have a lot of challenges like that as well. And then also if your operations is not bringing in 15, no, it's 10 to 15,000 monthly consistently, the vendor is not going to approve you for a line of credit in some cases. So you always have to make sure that your operations is, is intact. And, you know, and like I said, during COVID, everybody's operations was just all over the place. Some people's completely shut down. Some people's just partially shut down. But regardless, either you may not qualify for the line of credit because your revenue slowed down or because those entities themselves completely stopped lending. Right. Yeah. So that's another reason why having business credit and starting to build it 
yeah. could be a great idea because if you have the business credit, you can be spending that, which means the money that you're bringing in can go into your reserves. So in a situation like Tyra just described, you still have access to capital because you didn't spend your capital. You were spending your business credit before. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And the most beautiful thing to a lender is the fact that you owe them. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That's how they make money. That's how they make money. They want you to owe them. And the ma- and, and the main thing I know with the lenders that we use, they want to build a relationship with you. You know, um, a lot of times we think that, you know, lending institutions, oh, they don't like me. They denied me. Well, it may have been your email address that they denied, but you don't know that because they're not going to tell you that. You know, it may have been because you submitted an application with your Gmail on it. And that's happened. That would red flag. You will not get approved with a Gmail Yahoo. All of you, you could have $15,000, $20,000 per month coming in your revenue, everything perfect. But if you, that non-traditional data, if you don't have that non-traditional data intact, they will deny you. You know, so it may, it, it can be anything. So you, you absolutely right. You definitely need to have, you know, your business credit structured properly and then um, just have it ready for anything to happen. You know, uh, I, I was talking to a colleague today and he was saying, I'll just be glad when this, when this pandemic is over. I was like, look, let me tell you something. I've heard people say that last year. I'll be glad when next year happens because you, it'll be over. Really? We're just in another cycle of it. Right. So the best thing to do is is to prepare for the worst and restructure yourself, find out how you can maximize the opportunity of where we are right now in this space, because a lot of people need things that they didn't need before. So that presents opportunity to business owners to increase their revenue and then also become a data furnisher yourself. Start reporting to other businesses business credit that's another stream of revenue you know so data mining has really been a hot topic so um i just wanted to share that too absolutely so i would love for you to i know you've talked about you know some of the programs that you have i'd love for you to reiterate for people you know a little bit about um how you best feel that you can help you know business owners out there and how they can get in contact with you okay good deal well, we have we have two courses right now that are uh, contracted. Um, they've already expressed interest in another one of our uh, courses. Uh, we pretty much because we're consultants and we're a business development firm, we found that we were we repeat ourselves a lot. You know, it's just like in education. I was teaching for 16 years and I taught seven classes of the same course. And I was like repeating myself and, then, you know, you become an expert and then the kids look at you like, wow, I'm like, I just said this like six other times, you know. So we decided to create a course. So we did, you know, we have video, we have audio and we have text and we have PDF. Um, we have all type of medias in that particular course where business owners can take the course and then still have we still do the weekly consultation excuse me, to follow up with them to make sure that they are understanding the content properly. Um, We have the entrepreneurship uh, course. And like I said, that's for established business owners. It doesn't matter if you're making um, over a million dollars in your business or not. That course is structured for you as well. Um, We also have the contract and bidding course that actually teaches you how to position your business for contracting and how to submit winning bids and winning responses to RFPs and things of that sort. We also have an RP3 accounting system course. Now that's a a custom-made course that basically targets uh, your profit quarterly. I know most people, when they they file their taxes at the end of the year or when they print out their P&Ls, they think that they're looking at their profit, but we show you how to see your profit every quarter in your bank. And then we show you how to use your profit because that's your cash reserve that you need to be paying yourself with because a lot of us don't pay ourselves. Um, so we have uh, we have that course 
And um, in that course, we have a mitigating tax liability uh, section where we show you whether it's a good idea or not a good idea to change your tax status so that you can maximize on the credits and, and, and save your money. So, so basically we find, uh, just imagine a bucket with some pinholes in it and you're, you know, you're filling it. And as you're filling it, you, this is you running your business every day, not realizing that some things are leaking out, leaking out of those pinholes where in our program, we find those pinholes and those pinholes may, but by the time we find all of your money, it may be 40 or $50,000. We find that we can capture, restructure you financially and put that money back into your business so that you can see it on a quarterly basis. Um, so that's a little bit about the programs that we have. And uh, we do have a business credit program as well. That's that one is the most utilized program that we have actually. And in, in that program, it's unique uh, because we actually teach business owners how to become data furnishers themselves. Um, um, I don't know any other business credit program who's actually doing that, but we're doing that. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I wanna thank you so much for joining me tonight, for sharing so much value on contracting and business credit funding. I know some of you who are listening, you're going to need to replay this episode to really digest everything that she's saying. Go ahead and do that. I appreciate that. But you also have her contact information. I'll put it up one more time. Uh, www.jonescorporatesolutions.net or you can reach her by phone at 318-223-3022. All right. So if you are watching this, um, you, uh, you can catch it in the description. If you're listening, also look in the description for it. Make sure that you can reach out and connect with Dr. Tyra Jones. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Guys, be sure to subscribe. I am bringing you information like this as often as possible. So you don't want to miss a thing. So do subscribe. Do make sure you hit that notification button so that you don't miss an episode. All right, guys, that's it for tonight. I'm Tanisha Coffey, a.k.a. The Lofty Entrepreneur. If you'd like to connect with me, go to theloftyentrepreneur.com forward slash discovery call if you'd like to talk about strategy for your business. All right, guys, until next time, talk to you later. Bye.